we're in a series called Happily Ever After. And we're wrapping up a three-part marriage series, relationship series to strengthen marriages and relationships. And so uh, my lovely bride has joined me, my wife, my girlfriend, my boo, my lover, my baby's mama has joined me today. And we're excited. Listen, today we're, we're not preaching. We're just opening our life up to you from a biblical perspective about relationships and marriage and want to strengthen our relationships today. Um, and if you're not familiar with my wife and I, we've been married for 17 years. Uh, we have four kids ranging from age 11 to age six. And so we just want to allow God to minister to your heart. The word of God says we're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we believe our testimony will help you overcome in areas of your life. And last week, if you weren't here, I talked about baggage and how we all have baggage in our lives. And when people get married, they bring on a carry-on bag into the relationship. And a lot of people don't have a carry-on bag. They've got several bags. Like they got a lot of baggage they bring into the relationship. And marriage is one of those institutions that sometimes you don't even know you have baggage until you get married. And it reveals the baggage that's in your life. Marriage is one of those institutions that it'll squeeze you like toothpaste. And then what's in you comes out of you. And sometimes what comes out of you is not real good. And so we're just going to kind of talk to you about baggage today. And my wife and I want to begin by just illustrating it for you. When, you. when you get married and you don't deal with the baggage in your life, you never allow God to deal with it, and you're in a marriage relationship, and then you try to have a great marriage, the baggage will get in the way. And then some people, I mean, we could have multiple bags for some people, and they, they're trying to be married and talk to each other, and they got all this baggage in the way. And so we have to deal with the baggage in our life so that we can have a healthy God-honoring marriage. And one thing that I know from Tiffany and I getting married is when we got married, Tiffany had a lot of baggage. I didn't. I did not. My wife had a lot of baggage. He loves I'm, I'm, to I'm say just that. playing. I'm just playing. We, we, both, we both had baggage. And <laughs> talk to us, Tiffany, about just baggage. Um, yes, as Herbert said, I did bring baggage into the marriage. My situation maybe is similar to you in the sense that I knew I had a few things that I probably needed to work on, but it wasn't until I was married that I realized that I really had some deeper issues and baggage that I needed freedom from. And so for me, the biggest area was in the area of trying to obtain and achieve this perfection that was unrealistic, that was unattainable. And so that negatively impacted our relationship because I had this idea of what the perfect marriage should look like. I wanted to be the perfect wife. And so in our communication, um, I, my baggage was like coming in between us because I could not communicate honestly with Herbert because I didn't want to say anything that would hurt his feelings because a perfect wife wouldn't do that. And so I would just stuff things and not communicate with honesty. Um, I had my self-image started to go downhill because obviously I was making mistakes because I'm not perfect. And so I felt like that reflected on me being a bad wife and, you know, that's just not going to be good for our marriage. And so all of these things, these issues with the baggage, um, just seemed like they continued to grow and grow. And I tried on my own many times over and over to find freedom and to overcome these issues in my life, but I couldn't. And it wasn't until I 
totally just went before the Lord and said, I feel like I'm a mess here. Um, I'm feeling miserably that God intervened and he began to unveil and reveal things to me about like the deep rooted issues that I had um, in the area of like feeling like my worth was connected to my works and feeling like I needed to be this ultimate people pleaser and all of these issues. But it was only through taking it to the Lord and having Herbert, who loved me through the process, um, working through it together, that I really found freedom that ended up just making our marriage that much richer. Yeah, I would say with, regarding baggage, um, obviously I entered marriage with a lot of baggage and wasn't even aware of all my baggage. Um, one thing about um, marriage and life is that you can have baggage and not know it and even be successful in areas of your life and still have baggage. So I was, man, here I am. I got a college degree. I'm traveling. I'm preaching. I'm, my schedule's booked up. I'm traveling across the nation, preaching the gospel. Now I'm getting married to Tiffany. All looks well. And getting married and realize I have baggage that I, I did not, I wasn't even aware of. And my baggage stems from the dysfunction and the pain and abuse that I had went through. And it caused me to enter into marriage with a very low level of trust. I just struggled trusting. And I literally put walls up between Tiffany and I just emotionally and just guard. I really was guarded in what I would say and how I would say and what I would share. And it also, I was, I was one of those worst case scenario people. Because of what I went through, I thought she really couldn't be for me. You know, why are you really doing that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, that was kind of how I was how I was wired from the dysfunction I had come out of and the abuse that I had come out of. And and I kind of illustrate it this way. You know, if you somebody's, you know, let's say your spouse is cooking dinner for you, your wife's cooking dinner, and you're like, hmm, you're putting salt in that or is that poison? You're trying to poison me? What are you doing over there? You know what I'm saying? I never went to that extreme, but but literally just questioning, thinking, what, why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? And just being a worst case scenario, scenario kind of person and, and literally that lack of trust just put a wedge. That baggage put a wedge between me and Tiffany. And God began to deal with my heart. And first of all, how did God deal with my heart? First of all, I, have to, I had to acknowledge. I had to acknowledge I got baggage. I've got baggage. 80% of getting free from your baggage is first of all, you got to admit you got baggage. See, so many people never get deal with their baggage. It's a wedge in their relationships because they won't admit they have baggage. And I had to just admit, I've got baggage. I've got trust issues. I have a hard time trusting. And the way the Lord was able to heal me was, first of all, Tiffany loving me unconditionally. It was amazing to me to watch Tiffany love me uh, in spite of me and love me when I'm guarded, loving me when I'm being worst-case scenario, loving me, it, it just began to melt away those barriers. Something else that the Lord used was Tiffany's family, just watching her family interact. I would go to uh, Tiffany's family's house at Christmas time or at a, a gathering, and I would watch her parents interact. I'd watch how they treated their children. I'd watch how they treated me. And over time, that just began to minister deeply to my heart. It was therapeutic. God really used that in my life and in my heart. Something else that really helped me was just opening up to Tiffany. I wish I could say, all this happened in the first six months of marriage. No, it was, a, it was a journey. It was the first four or five years of our marriage, just learning to open up, learning to talk. And as I would open up, Tiffany would love me. She wouldn't judge me. 
I would open up more, let her more into my heart, more into the, the depths of my thinking, and she would love me. She would accept me for who I was. And over time, me just opening up and her loving me, opening up and her loving me, caused me just to open my whole life up before her. And now the walls are down. Can I tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than marriage. Have all the baggage out there. Allow Jesus to deal with your baggage. And today, I mean, we are best friends. We're so close. Great just connection, intimacy, because the, we've allowed Jesus to deal with our bags. And I want to encourage you, listen, you've got to allow Jesus to deal with your bags. You've got to be honest about the bags in your life. Because here's what some people do. Some of you are sitting there right now, and you're thinking, wow, pastor's got issues. Wow. So do you. I'm just telling you about mine. That's the only difference is you're sitting there looking at me. I'm telling you I got issues and Jesus had to help me. But you do too. And you have to be honest about your baggage so that Jesus can help you deal with the baggage in your life. Uh, a second area we want to just kind of dialogue about is this whole thing of culture versus Christ. Culture versus Christ. If you're going to have a happily ever after God-honoring marriage, you're going to have to fight against and choose. Are you going to do it culture's way or are you going to do it Christ's way? And they're the exact opposite. Culture says it's all about me. Marriage is all about me. Christ says marriage is all about we. It's about we. It's not about me. It's about we. It's about two becoming one. The world says, no, 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 it's about me. Make me happy. Do what I want. Make it all about me. But God says, no, it's not about me. It's about being a team. And there is no, no letter I in team. There's no letter I. And we start going through marriage relationships, and they're hindered, and they can't be all that God wants them to be when people make it about me instead of we. Married couples understand this. Singles, when you're married one day, understand that Marriage is not an institution where you should compete. God, com God gave us marriage to complete. Not to compete, but to complete. Jesus said it like this, two will become one flesh. And yet we miss out on what Jesus wants for our marriages when we enter it all about me, 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 instead of it's about we, it's about two becoming one Tiffany, what just your thoughts about me and we? Um, yes. Well, I there are definitely types of meism that are so obvious that it's just like right in your face. Um, but then there's also that type of meism that is more subtle, and it's easy for us to like slowly get on that path without realizing that we're doing it. And that's kind of where I found myself. Obviously, I have those moments of just obvious meism and selfishness. But this case in my life, um, I just found myself drifting from our team we mentality to gradually shifting to the I mentality. And basically, I had not dealt fully and let the Lord heal me from the baggage that I brought into my marriage at this season of life. And I started to fall back into my trap of being a people pleaser, of doing, doing, doing for other people. In fact, I was doing so much for other people and doing so much to get worth that Herbert took the back burner. I was doing for everybody else, and then he was getting my leftovers. And um, it just, I got to the point in that season of my life where I was just tired of it because I was tired of juggling, trying to make everybody happy. And the meism was just killing me in the inside. I was exhausted. I lost my joy. I lost my purpose. 
And it was in that moment that I knew I had to make some major changes. And oftentimes, we have to be so proactive, not just once, but continually. And so I had to change my filter. You know, I went from having the we team mentality to all of a sudden, every, every decision I made, the things that I was doing were, were filtered through, like, will this make this person happy? Um, will this give me worth? And so I had to totally turn that around and change my filter for making decisions on, is this the best thing for our marriage? If I say yes to this, is this the best thing for we? Will it add value or will it take away? Will it hinder this relationship? Because this is the most important relationship. And so I really, not only did I have to go to the Lord to get full healing from the unhealthy habits that were causing me to make these unwise decisions, but um, I just had to change my whole perspective and thinking system with that. Yeah, I think... Um, the reality is that we're all pretty selfish because of the fall of man, uh, because we're wrapped up in this flesh. We have the propensity, the, the lean, the bent towards selfishness. It's all about me. We think about us, 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 me, 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 me. And I deal with that, you deal with that. Uh, and what I have learned over the years is just surrendering those thoughts and those feelings to Jesus. Early on in marriage, I would make a whole lot of decisions based on me, what I want, me, 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 how I felt, me, me, me. And the scripture says this, and I don't really love this scripture that Jesus said, but it's in the Bible, so I have to live by it. And Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me daily. In other words, die to yourself. Quit making everything about you and pick up your cross and follow me. And I've literally had to start, start filtering everything through Herbert, Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow Jesus, follow. It's not about me, it's about we. It's about you following Jesus and honoring Jesus because if we don't, selfishness will rule in our relationships and cause damage and cause pain and cause us to divide. Instead of being a team, it becomes that compete instead of complete. And when I think about culture versus Christ, culture says it's all about being happy. Marriage is about me being happy. And Jesus says, it's about you being holy. Marriage, people say, in culture, is about my happiness. And Jesus said, no, it's about your holiness. You see, happiness is achievable in marriage. But happiness is a byproduct of holiness. Happiness is a byproduct of you and I becoming more like Jesus Christ. But culture says... Culture says it's about pleasing our flesh. Just follow my flesh. I'll be happy if you follow my flesh. And Jesus said, no, follow the spirit. Follow your spirit. And I think this. I think too many Christians have an opinion. Now, if you don't know Jesus, I'm so glad you're here. We created a church that we wanted people to be able to come to, to explore the claims of Christ. But if you know Jesus... And you always say, let me tell you what I think. Let me give you my opinion. I got an opinion on that. Can I tell Our opinion really doesn't matter. What matters is what does God say? What does God's word say? And I think we can get so opinionated that we're not aligning ourselves to what does God say? My opinion really doesn't matter about marriage. What matters is what does God say? 
And so I have to align my thinking up to what God says because God is about holiness and that, then happiness is a byproduct of it. But if I try to pursue happiness, I'm going to end up unhappy because that was never God's design. It was about being holy. And then that'll make me happy as I follow Jesus and allow him to change my life. Let me give you an example from the word of God. As a husband, scripture says, Ephesians 5 verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And I read that to myself sometimes, and men, you go, I don't want to love my wife like Christ loved the church. She's acting crazy today. Do you know what I'm saying? You start getting these thoughts and these feelings and what, let me give you my opinion. Let me tell you what I think. No, 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 no. My job is to align my feelings and my thoughts with the word of God. And to love my wife like Christ loves the church. A sacrificial love. An unconditional love. A love that says, I'll lay down my life for my wife. And it says, he who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29 says, after all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Now, if it's about my happiness, I say, no, I'm not going to love her like Christ loved the church. Because she's not making me happy. She's not doing what I want her to do. So I'm not going to love her today. But no, 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 holiness says, what does God's word say? I have to align my thoughts, my actions with the word of God and not justify my sin or justify it by what Tiffany is doing. Another area when I think about happiness is, and versus holiness is in the area of forgiveness. And I've grown in the area of forgiveness. God has done a lot in my heart, suffering pain and tragedy and heartache and brokenness and dysfunction. But even in our marriage, sometimes I can find those little things that I want to hold on to. You know, sometimes I love my wife with all my heart, but sometimes she aggravates me. Sometimes she's on my last nerve, and sometimes I'm on, her, I'm on her last nerve. Come on, that's marriage. You know what I'm saying? That's living in the same house with somebody, and sometimes you're on each other's last nerve, and sometimes she may do something, and it's small, and I want to hold on to it. I don't want to forgive because I want to be happy. And make, what, I'll tell you what makes me happy is holding on to this about seven more days. I want to let you feel it. I want you to feel I'm not happy. I don't like it. And Tiffany may say, well, Herbert, Herbert can I bring you some water? No. I want you to feel this thing. You know what I've learned? I got to let it go. I got to learn to forgive. You know what will make me happy? My flesh happy makes my flesh happy to hold on to it. But the word says to forgive. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So I have to submit what I think, because what I think doesn't matter, and align it with the word of God and not justify it because of what I think or my opinion. And so happiness is a byproduct of holiness. Tiffany, what are just some thoughts you have on that? Yes, one of the greatest realizations that I had early on in my marriage was the moment that God revealed to me that I was looking to Herbert to meet needs that only God could fill. And I was looking to Herbert to give me purpose, direction, to bring me just overwhelming happiness and, and just to really fulfill every need that I had in life. And God just revealed that Tiffany, Herbert is not God. He cannot fulfill the needs 
that I was created to fill for you. And so I just realized early on that it was not fair to Herbert because he would fail every single time if I put those expectations on him. And vice versa, I did not want to have to fulfill all those needs in Herbert's life, the needs that only God could fill in his life. And so in that moment, um, I just had a total shift in my thinking, and I turned to the Lord, and I went to the Lord to find my purpose and to find that overwhelming joy and that sense of peace and, and the things that only God could fill. And once I let God take over in those areas of my life, it brought so much more joy and peace and contentment to my marriage with Herbert. And um, thankfully, Herbert was let off the hook from all those crazy ideas and expectations. I am not God, <laughs> and neither is Tiffany. No. Let, let me say this to our, our singles, because sometimes I hear singles say this. I'm, I'm single, and I'm not happy. I'm single, I'm not, ha I'm single, I'm not happy. So what I'm going to do is I'm single, and I'm not happy, so I'm going to get married so I can be happy. And if you're single and you're not happy, you're going to get married and be real unhappy. Because two imperfect people are getting married. And your spouse, God never designed them for them to be God in their, your life. He said, well, Pastor, I don't have any joy. I don't have any peace. I don't have any contentment, so I'm going to get married. No, 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 no. No, that only comes from Jesus. Your spouse can't provide that for you. You have to, you have to be, come on, you got to be happy single if you're going to be happy married. you got to be content single to be content married. you gotta got to allow Jesus to work things in your heart and be God in your life. Same thing in marriage. You know, first of all, singles say, I'm going to get, I'm not happy, so I'm going to get married. You know what married people say? We're not happy, so let's have a baby. That'll make us happy, make us closer. No, a baby make you sleep, sleep deprived. So babies do. No, they're all, we love our four children, but we had to be good with Jesus first and each other second. And nothing else can take the place of Jesus, not a baby. Not, let's get a house, we'll, we'll, we'll love each other better. Let's, let's get cars, then we'll love. No, 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 nothing else can take the place of Jesus. Only he can satisfy, only he can meet the deepest needs of our soul. And then out of that, of seeking Jesus, can we be truly happy with one another? A third area that I just want us to look at today, and this is the biggest area in a marriage relationship, and that is communication. As I said in week one, the number one reason couples complain about not being happy in marriage and why divorces happen. The number one reason, statistically, is communication, poor communication. The health of every marriage depends on good communication. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 17, in, in the Living Bible, this is part B of that verse. It says, reliable communication permits progress. I love that verse. Reliable communication permits progress in every area of our life. In your workplace, reliable communication permits progress. With your friends, reliable communication permits progress. With your, with your family members, reliable communication permits progress. In a marriage relationship, reliable communication permits progress. Unreliable communication, poor communication hinders progress. Puts a wedge in the relationship. And obviously, because Tiffany and I are not perfect, uh, we have problems like every other couple, and we have fights and arguments like every other couple. Tiffany, what would you say regarding communication? What are some techniques that we have learned 
in fighting fair and having good communication in resolving problems? Um, yes. Early on, um, we realized very quickly that we weren't necessarily good at communicating um, our ideas to each other. We are two totally different people. We come from two different families who communicate totally differently. And so we right away knew that this was an area that we were going to have to work on and commit together to working through. And the first thing, like Herbert said, that we come into, in Fighting Fair, when we come into a discussion, we remember that we are two imperfect people. I don't have it all together. Herbert doesn't have it all together. We are imperfect. And then we realize that on an issue that we may disagree on, we realize and understand that we maybe see it totally different. Herbert may come to an idea from a totally different vantage point than I would. And so it's important for us not only to understand that, but to listen to one another, to truly listen to understand where we're coming from. And then once we listen, we can come to an understanding. It doesn't mean that maybe we agree 100% on the issue, but it means that we can understand how we think differently on it, and we can come to an understanding and an agreement. And then once we do that, it's much easy for, uh, easier for us to forgive if there's been hurt and to move forward unified as a couple. Yeah, and, and when you're in an argument, you, there's got to be compromise because you do see it different. We have two de totally different backgrounds. She's pastor's kid. I'm not. She grew up in church all the time. We dabbled around in church. I mean, we just have two different thoughts, worldviews. She grew up Wisconsin, Nebraska. I grew up here in small town, Oklahoma. We just see things differently, and so we've had to learn how to work it through. And one of the big things I would say is, listen, you will be angry. There will be. There'll be intense moments of fellowship is what we call it in the pastor's home you will have that as part of a relationship but how you handle your anger is key the bible says be angry and sin not listen it is wrong we've ne we've never done this in our marriage we've never called each other names we've never said you're stupid you're an idiot we've never done that now i know tiffany's probably thought that about me because i can be stupid sometimes you know what i'm saying i know she's probably thought that but we've just we just we do not we don't go we don't fire those verbal missiles they don't help they only hinder, they only damage, they only wound the other person. And when it comes to your anger, you got to learn to control it. You got to get that under the power and surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is wrong to get physical, to push, to slap, to hit. We, we've never done it. There is no, never pushing, never slapping, never hitting, never getting physical. If you do that, you're not honoring God. You're a bully and you need the Lord Jesus to help you because that is not the right way to operate in a relationship you got to get help let jesus help you go get some christian counseling but you got to learn how to handle your anger and fight fair otherwise all you do is create more tension and more problems in the relationship another area you have to communicate reliable communication permits progress in the area of finances you got to talk about it listen if you're single Talk about it now. Don't get married and say, oh, I didn't know you had $72,000 with credit card debt. Wow, praise the Lord on that. What? <laughs> you got to talk. Talk about money. Talk about finances. Come on, talk about putting God first. We got to put, we're going to build this relationship by putting God first. Get on the same page about money. You're a team, not me, but we. 
get on the same page. Tiffany and I, from day one in our marriage, we've always sat down and talked about finances. We set our budget at the end of every year. My wife runs it, but we talk about it. We collaborate. We, we're on the same page as a team. When it comes to expectations, you have to communicate about expectations. Tiffany, what are your thoughts about that? Yes, well, I feel that it is unfair for me to be upset with Herbert if he doesn't know my expectations. If he does something, but I've never communicated to him how that would make me feel, it's unfair for me to just go off on him and be completely upset. And so, for instance, we talk about everything from like the littlest thing to like the major big issues. And so I know that Herbert does not expect for our house to be spotless, but Herbert does expect to have clean underwear in his drawer every day. Like, Come on, brother's gotta have underwear. The house could be an explosion. Brother gotta have underwear. Come on now. I like to have underwear. What's it's a man true. gonna do without his underwear, huh? I tell him to improvise, but no. Hello. I, uh, you know, I quickly learned that one time after he didn't have them, but so he likes to have clean underwear. He knows for me that I don't expect to have lavish gifts on holidays or events, special events, but I do expect for him to lavish me, lavish me with love like on a consistent basis, to treat me well, to speak life into me, to treat me like his one and only. Like I want him to lavish his love on me. And so he knows that that's an expectation that I have in our relationship. And I tell her I love her every day. He does. Multiple times a day. <laughs> I lavish her with love. <laughs> And I've only forgotten our anniversary five times. That's it. The other 12, I'm just playing. I've never forgotten our anniversary. But no, expectations are key. Mm -hmm. And it is, as Tiffany said, it's unfair to be in a marriage relationship or relationship and not to communicate your expectations and then to get mad. Let me give you an example with parents. You, you ever been in a restaurant and parents are with their, their children are with them and the kids are just bad, like real bad. Now, I mean, come on, if you ever had little kids, you know kids can sometimes be bad. But I'm talking about a whole other level of bad. I'm talking about, like, you are wheels off bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they're just acting like crazy. Just, ah, and kids just acting like nuts, you know what I mean? And, you, and the parents get, are getting embarrassed because their kids are not listening. And the parent walks over and says, Johnny, straighten up. Johnny goes, ah, no, rah, You're like, they don't discipline their kids at home. And now they're in public trying to set expectations that their kids don't know in private. And that's not fair on that child. That they didn't get disciplined at home and now that we're in public we want to set expectations. And it's the same way in a marriage relationship. That happens all the time. Couples get mad at each other and they're angry at each other. They've never expressed what they want or what they desire. And now they're mad. And you ever seen this? They're mad and say, well, What's wrong? What do you want? I'm not telling you. You should know. <laughs> like we got, you got to talk. You got to communicate. Reliable communication permits progress. You have to talk about sex. I'm going to keep it PG so your kids can stay. I'm not going anywhere with this. But you got to talk about. You have to talk about it. It's important. You have to talk about it. Talk about your likes, dislikes, frequency. You have to talk about it. It is part of your marriage. If it's not, I'm praying for you. But you got to talk about it. You have to. It's important. You say, Pastor, do you and Tiffany talk about it? Absolutely. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, we do. Yes, we're going to talk about it. No, we do. We talk about it. You have to talk about children. You have to talk about raising children. 
You talk about your values. Tiffany, just talk to us your thoughts, just how we communicate about children. Yes. Um, well, I will quickly say that we talked about this before we got married and after we got married, before we had kids, um, the expectations that we had as parents and raising children. But once you have children, you realize that the scope of the things that you have to decide and the discussions that you have to have is so much more broad than you could anticipate. And so for Herbert and I, this is an ongoing, constant conversation about the expectations. And so, for instance, as we said, we came from two different types of backgrounds. And so... He was on this end, and I was way on the other end in terms of um, guidelines and boundaries that we thought we would set for our children. And so we had to have several conversations. Um, I would say, like, at least three or four just really, like, in-depth, like, why do you feel this way about setting this boundary? And we had to come to a common understanding as a unified team, as a unified friend, that as parents, these are the boundaries that we have set for our family, and we are sticking with them. And there are boundaries that we revisit. I mean, it's an ongoing conversation, um, but it's definitely one that you have to have. It is, and you're, you're, you both come from two different worldviews and two different families, and so... Uh, and two, you were raised differently. And so, and for me, it's some of my experiences. So Tiffany, because grew up in a pastor's home, and she never suffered abuse or anything that li like that, she's just more free, go easy going, laid back. It's just, yeah, Herbert, can they, can, can kids want to go over to such and such's house. Can they go over? And me, with all that I've been through, I'm like, no, we don't know those people. Well, they can't go. She's like, no, but we know them. You know, our kids, they play on the football team with them. I'm like, I don't know those people. I don't care if we play football. Well, I don't know those people. And so because we have, we, so we have to talk through those things and get a common understanding because it's not me, it's we. We're a team, and reliable communication permits progress. And just the last area and the most important area to communicate about is, is your faith in Christ. Jesus has to be the center. If you're going to have a happily ever after God-honoring marriage, Jesus has to be the center. You gotta talk about God. You gotta talk about your faith. You gotta talk about church. I mean, there, there have been several moments throughout our marriage. Tiffany's woken me up on a Sunday morning and said, Herbert, get up and get out of this bed. You gotta go to church. You're the pastor. You're going to church. I'm just playing. That's never happened. That was just a joke. No, but we talk about our faith. We talk about church. We talk about our relationship with God. We talk about openly. Here's what God's doing in my life. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's, what, here's where I'm at in my relationship with God. Here's what God, we talk about. Jesus is the center of our home. And the reason that we can have a happily ever after marriage that honors God is because Jesus is the center of my life. He's the center of Tiffany's life. And he's the center of our marriage. And with Jesus as the center, can I tell you, if the Lord tarries, we're going to grow old together, sitting on the front porch of our home with a rocking chair. Rock. Gum. Talk night. Gray hair everywhere. She'll probably be dying hers. I won't, but she'll be dying. Or you know how you women do it. But anyways, honoring Jesus happily ever after. Because we're a team that Jesus is the center. And with Jesus as the center, things can flourish and thrive, including our marriages.